0: <laughs> we started a mimer yesterday. Mitsvasa Mishatishka, Chama. A mimer about Chanukah. Not just about Chanukah. A maimer, like when we when we learn Chassidus, it's, it takes us down to the essence. So it's a mimer that's teaching us what Chanukah is really about. <laughs> In the beginning of the Maimah we quoted the Gemara that the Gemara says that Chanukah Menorah we light specifically after sunset we explained that this is because the Chanukah Menorah we light commemorating a time of darkness when there was a significant darkness of Gallus of exile it was a result of the the behavior that the yidin were engaged in then in following the culture of the greeks and this brought a tremendous darkness into the world and it was that darkness, which we're trying to chase away with the Meneira. And this is ad Kalya regal min ashuk, ad dekalya regla de Tarmudai, that Tarmudoi is me the rebellion against Eibishter. And we chase away the rebellion. How do we chase away the rebellion? We chase away the rebellion through Lighting the Meneira and in chasing it away. We said there are two ideas. Kalya, Milashen, in that it's completely destroyed. It's wiped out. But then there's a deeper explanation and that's Kalya, Milashen, Klois hanefesh, That it elevates the negativity inside of the world and brings it to a higher level. And it's really from that point, the concept of elevating the negativity and bringing it to a higher level that we're going to be picking up over here in this next chapter. In ice Beis of the Maimer. And that idea is what's going to drive the rest of the Maimer, basically. And that's the transformation of that which is negative. The lifting it up and bringing it to its positive source.
1: Um, i have two questions very quickly the first being um how can it be that we can both destroy and uplift at the same time when one seems extremely negative like we're in a fighting posture while one seems that we're in like a very kindly helping posture how do these two
0: connect so think of a doctor that's performing a life-saving operation and cutting open a patient and pulling out Rahmanul Islam things that don't belong inside, he's destroying and uplifting simultaneously. And this is true, not just physically, but emotionally, a doctor that helps people emotionally. We have one on the, the Zoom with us. Also, sometimes he has to destroy in order to be able to uplift, right? And this is true in so many areas. A person who's weeding a garden. V'chulu, v'chulu, etc., etc. So this concept of destroying and uplifting are not really two opposites. The world sometimes twists things around. Part of klipa is the idea of acting as a human shield for a terrorist. That means don't shoot, don't harm, just love. And that love is really the worst, most erroneous hate. It's not good, it's not positive, it's something which is negative. Sometimes there needs to be a harsh action, Destroying, in order to be able to uplift. But the destroying is on the chitsenis, in the outside. And the uplifting is what's really taking place. That's the true essence of the activity.
1: Also, Rabbi, very quickly, when we talk about the concept of rebelliousness, Does this relate back to the story? Like, is there a rebellious actor or faction within the story that we're
0: talking about? It doesn't directly relate back to the story in an obvious way. It's more of a pneumistic explanation on the word tarmudoy meiredes. But at the same time, what the story represented, as we said, was a darkness the concept of rebellion and darkness go hand in hand that means that when someone gets up and says a lie with such a conviction like you have out there in the world today you have the the, the people who are leading the world the, the chiefs of the u.n and so on and so forth they say these things Representing kindness and love and peace and all of that. And they say lies with such deep conviction as if it's true. That's the greatest darkness. That's such a rejection of the what, what's really taking place, what's really going on. And that's the idea of klipa. Klipa is something that lifts itself up and says, as we're going to see in this next chapter as well, I exist, and my existence is a self-sustaining existence. And I don't have anything propping me up. Like Parai, as we're going to see again in this next chapter, who would get up every morning and go to the Nile River And he's relieving himself in the Nile River because uh, that's his way of hiding, that he's, uh, he's letting himself go because he's a god. He's not supposed to have to relieve himself. And while he's relieving himself, he's saying, I'm a god, and this Nile belongs to me. I created myself. I don't need nothing. It's the greatest contradiction in his self projection and who he really is. But that's what klipa is. That's what darkness is. That's what rebellion is. Rebellion is rejection of the hand of Hashem that supports us. Now that hand of Hashem in Galas is concealed, but it's there. And there's two things we could do. We could completely cover it over and forget about it. Or we could dig it out, and make it something which we're openly recognizing and appreciating. When
1: we say, is it, would it be more accurate to say, we're looking at it from the further point of view of both perspectives, that we're not destroying them as people, but we're destroying the rebelliousness inside
0: of them? Of course. Sometimes it's deeply embedded. <laughs> to, again, I'm sorry to be using so many... Uh, sometimes it's deeply embedded, and it's very difficult to separate. Then spiritually later, like say, for
1: example, if it's deeply so embedded that they die in the process, I mean spiritually later, your soul is not done with their journey, and it keeps uh, going into...
0: Depending different- on the situation, yeah. But uh, sometimes it's difficult sometimes to, it to to enter in with a razor knife that's able to separate between the hate and the chayte, between the sin and the sinner. Sometimes you, that's what we do. That's what we strive to do always. We strive just to separate the negativity. There's a famous story of... Um, who was it?
2: Well,
0: oh, one of the rishenim, I don't remember, who was very close to the government, to the king, and he was a tax collector for the king. And as a tax collector, you could imagine it's not the most popular job, right? Introduce someone, introduce yourself to someone, and say you work for the IRS, and see how <laughs> <laughs> how warm your reception is. Um, he was a tax collector. He was. He didn't make so many friends. And he was driving together with the king once on an important um, mission. And as they were driving down the street, there was some guy that was standing there in the corner um, uh, screaming insults and curses at this tax collector. And the king was all upset on behalf of the tax collector and instructed the tax collector that he should cut out this man's tongue. That was the Punishment. punishment for speaking in such a way, to cut out the man's tongue. And uh, this tax collector, this or this this rabbi, um, uh, said, okay. The next time they were walking, they they were driving down that street. This man was on the corner again, and uh, he stood over there, and he was heaping praises upon the head <laughs> of the, um. Uh, so what had happened was that in the interim, the tax collector went to him and got to know him personally and helped him with whatever situation he was going through and uh, thereby earned this person's affection and appreciation. So the king turned to the tax collector and said, I thought I told you to cut out his tongue. He said, I did. I cut out his negative tongue and inserted a positive tongue instead. <laughs> So yeah, that's the idea of Yitamu v'lay There is such a concept. There's no question. But that concept itself needs to be.
2: It's also, there's a concept in surgery. And as you probably knows this better than I do, you need to get a little bit around the edges as well. Because sometimes the, even if a bit was okay, if it was near enough to something, it, it, it's really better for it to go as well. Okay. Or, or it could come that, back.
0: That's where it's too deeply embedded. Okay, let's learn weiter inside. Vihine, <speaking> in <Hebrew> Yadua, it's known. Shekol Mitzvah Shaba'ilam. Every existence in the world, this statement, this next statement which we're about to make, is first of all the central statement of this maimer. But more than that, it's a central statement, a fundamental statement of Chassidus in general and that is that every existence inside of the world, not just the existence in the world which is positive, which is light, which is beautiful, which is holy, even the even the unholy existence of the world. It has a beginning and a source in holiness. Every single thing in the world, even klipa, even darkness, even unholiness, even evil, has a beginning and a source in holiness. And the Maimur over here quotes a Gemara that supports this statement. More so, our sages teach us in the Gemara the following statement. Ein oid It says in the pasuk verse Hanan, nothing else exists besides for Hashem. the Gemara says even kshafim, black magic. Shemakchishen pamel That the whole concept of black magic is saying that I have my own power. That's what black magic is. That's what the power of klipa is. That my power is self-sufficient. and it rejects. Pamalya shamayla the power of above the, the, the energy the the hosts of above the hosts of angels that are battled that are completely not negated to Hashem's power that is coming inside of them. And black magic rejects that, but that too comes from Hashem. Everything comes from Hashem. Positive and negative. And speaking of the Greeks, the Greeks specifically rejected this premise. The whole concept of Greek gods is what? That every energy that you see has its own source. There's the sun, there's the moon, there's love, there's hate, there's the God of connection and the God of separation, the God of of sunshine and the God of storms, and so on and so forth. Every single energy that you see has its own source. And Yiddishkeit, Torah, teaches us the exact opposite. Abraham Avinu gave his life to bring across... The opposite message, the, opposite, the, the message of monotheism, of one single God, of Ein Oyd Muvade, nothing else exists besides for him. And that applies to the good days and the bad days, the happiness and the sadness. Everything is included in this Ein Oyd And the Mimer continues and says, Allah, there are such things that exist here in this world, that it's impossible that they should be drawn down from their source, through a standard method of hishtalshelos. Now standard hishtal shalos, the concept of seder shalos, it means that every link... Is able to identify its previous link. It's able to recognize where it's coming from. Hishtalshlus means that there's an ilah, the there's a cause and effect. Hishtalshlus means that you're able to trace back everything to where it started. That's the concept of Hishtalshlus. There are some things that they can't come down in a way of Hishtalshlus. You're not able to trace them back. At some point, you're going to trace it back and you're going to reach a brick wall. You can't see where it came from, where it started. And in general, something that you're not able to recognize, its source. You're not able to recognize where it's coming from. In general, that is klipa. Kedusha, holiness, is something that you're able to see. This is coming from above. That's why it's holy. It's light. It's brilliant. It's uplifting. Unholiness means that a certain point there's a block and it says and you you don't see where it comes from it exists on its own it's coming from its own power it's black magic that's the difference between holiness and unholiness the reason why there are such things that you're not able to see where they're coming from is because they're coming from such a high source That if you were to connect the source to the next level, you would just overwhelm the next level. An educator knows that there are two types of messages that he needs to bring across, let's say in a classroom. An educator walks into a classroom and he knows, if he's a good educator, that there are two things that he's imparting one of them is he's going to open up a textbook and teach knowledge that you're able to see the hishtal where it's coming from that means the student will know for the rest of his life that he learned this piece of knowledge when he was sitting in this classroom with this textbook with such and such an educator he knows exactly where he got it from but that's not the main job of an educator because it's the Vilner Goyen famously said that he owes his greatest sense of gratitude to his Aleph-based teachers. He said, without Aleph-based, I can't do anything. But once I had the Aleph-based, I could already read it all myself. I could figure it all out myself. So that's not the greatest job of an educator, to teach that which the book says, which theoretically a bright child can open up the book and read on his own. The greatest job of an educator are those subtle messages that the educator is imparting that the student doesn't even realize he learned from the educator the student thinks because it was brought across so subtly so re- in such a refined and 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 subdued way, that the the student thinks that he arrived at that conclusion on his own. He thinks that he figured it out, instead of realizing it came from the educator. And these are the greater messages, the more important, the more vital messages that the educator is supposed to impart. This is much, much more what an educator is than reading the textbooks and translating them for the student. That's the same in Seder Hishtalshalas. In Seder Hishtalshalas, there are certain things that the Ebi imparts that are coming directly from the Ebi to us. That's Seder Hishtalshalas, where you're able to trace back each link to the earlier link in the chain that's holding it up. But then there are those things that are coming from such a high level, she'i efshir, it's impossible, she'yum she'chu, that they should be drawn down, mimikairim, from their source. Because the reason why the educator has to impart those messages subtly is because if the educator were to just instruct them with so many words, then one of two things would happen. Either the student is just mimicking the educator and he's not absorbing the message or he'll completely reject it and say I'm not interested in hearing this he'll pull away so when something is coming from a deeper source from a higher source you can't have it be drawn down from its source <speaking in Hebrew> of many many levels im rather There needs to be a separation, an interruption, a a contraction, a mesach. A mesach is like a curtain, a shvira, a breaking. This reflects different levels that took place. In the course of the creation of the world, there was the shvira sakalim, the breaking of the vessels, which allowed certain energies to enter into this world. There was the mesach, the thick interruptions, the tzimtzum, the contractions, the hefsek, the the subtler interruptions. But all of these things, they cause a break. And they don't allow you to see where it's coming from. And those were necessary because the Abishter wanted that Aurel should be here. The Abishter loves Aurel. The Abishter wants Aurel. And if it's just going to be Abishter, then the Abishter. Well, E-Bishter wants him to be here.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Eibishter wants that we should exist the Eibishter wants that we should l- have our identities our personalities our lives the Abishtar loves Yasnil, and the Eibishter wants that there should be a Yasnil, and without this hefsick Tzimtzum, I'm not going to go into each of these things now, but each one of them has volumes of chassidus explaining what they are and how they work. But without the hafzik, the interruptions, the tzimtzum, the contractions, the mesach, the curtains, the thick curtains, the shvera, the breaking, without these interruptions in the hishtal you're not going to get it. The only problem is that although the eibishter did That in order that we should be able to be here, since there is the Hafsik the Tzimtzum, the Masach, the Shvira, since there is that interruption, that's where klipa comes from. That's where it's possible to be a meredas, a rebellion, a rejection of the Eibishter, which is the ultimate source. So this is the premise of our Mimer. The premise of our Mimer is, anything you look at here in this world, it didn't just come about. We don't believe that there is a God of darkness, that there is a God of sadness, that there is a God of evil. We believe Ein, oid, mulvadoi, there doesn't exist anything except for Hashem. That's the premise of the mimer. And the mimer continues and says, David,
2: mm-hmm. have a question? Yeah. It was translation for each, each Chain.
0: Chain. A chain that has links. A linked chain.
2: Uh, you said of um, uh, interruptions. Does this have anything? uh, Does this is this related in any sense to what we talked about yesterday about revelations? Are those somehow necessitated by these things? Because if 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 we want to have
0: sometimes what a revelation does is a revelation gives like a lightning bolt of recognition that ah that's where this came from. Sometimes you're able to have that—that that you see this thing, which is just like a block, a block, a block, and suddenly there's like this spark of recognition.
2: <clears throat> so, 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 so
0: sometimes there is such a, a, an idea of a revelation which will break the interruption.
2: So sometimes, if you pu- if you're pushing against a block from your side, um, it, that just that will will cause that from the other side the block could be
0: it's possible but in general just as a piece of advice don't push against blocks instead just increase in that which is clearly holy that which is clearly light focus on that have much more of that and the box will dissipate on their own
2: a good definition for what it's like the the um Kesha Keshafim that I said you said that I think it's black magic. But so what would be like practical
0: with which word? I'm sorry?
2: Oh no, I don't know if I translate the correct word. It's okay. Is it black magic? Keshof
0: Kishof. 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 Black magic.
2: So what would it be a good way of explaining in a Hasidic way what that means?
0: black magic black magic is um, the powers that exist here inside of this world that can be manipulated to serve negative messages mm-hmm. that's what black magic is the, the so the it used to be it. that the, the the those that performed black magic they would, bring across how look i'm so powerful i'm powerful by myself and therefore i don't need to listen to any higher power because i'm good just the way i am etc that's the 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 essence of the message and the the way that message is translated comes across in many different ways okay let's go weiter um, from this is understood, with regard to hanal, the above-mentioned ideas. In other words, in the opening statement of this Mimer, we quoted the Gemara that said that the mitzvah of Chanukah is hachama, from when the sun sets and it's as long as there are regel there are feet, that are walking in the shuk, in the marketplace. And specifically, we spoke about Tarmudoy, that these are negative things. Now, we're going to see that the Mimer is not going to precisely parallel these three things as they're mentioned over here in the brackets. But there is the concept of Mishatishka Achama, which we're going to discuss directly, the concept of shuk, of marketplace, which we're going to discuss directly, and the concept of Tarmudoy, which we're going to explain. Um, uh, in a little bit of a different way than it's explained even in other places in Chassidus. In other words, we're not going to focus on the Tamar themselves, the Meredas. But in any case, these negative energies that the Hanukkah is, so to speak, illuminating, battling against, their beginning, their source is also, be in holiness. Ella, bat, they come al v'hefsek v'chulu They come through all of these above mentioned interruptions: the Tsimsum, the contraction, the hefsek, the, the interruption, the sphere the breaking, etc., etc. And over here in the brackets, it says ukedugmas in It gives an example. And they, the example is Paray. The Mimer was said, Shabbos Parshas Vayigash. And therefore brings an example from Paray who is mentioned in the Parsha of Vayigash. Shabbos Paray in his source. Paray in his source. Now, Paray is the... The, the, the ultimate representation of evil in our history. Not um, there's know. others also, but Paray. Shebishrushay in his source, who inyan hachi nayla He is the highest level of holiness. The highest level of holiness. Paray. It's, in other words, what we're saying over here is not just oh, words; guess, it's a reality. In his source, he's the highest level of holiness. Kayadua mm-hmm. as is known, Shaparei, the name Parai, the root of this name of this word Parai, who the Ispariu minei Minekal nairin. The Ispariu, there is uncovered, V'eskalion, and revealed, nay from him, kol nehoirin, every single type of light, the highest level of light, which is not limited to just one, but every light, or ain't safe, infinite light of godliness. That's power in the source. Power in the source is Hashem's infinite light itself va but through a increased histaus and a breaking Bamiza came from this pare melach Mitrayim pare the king of mitsrayim that pare the king of mitsrayim is referred to in the navi hatanim agal, the great serpent the lochnes monster Harrevit who is uh, splashing around inside of his Nile. And he says, and this is the key, Paris says, the Nile belongs to me and I created myself. You know what they say about certain people, he's a self-made man <laughs> and he worships his creator. <laughs> <laughs> He says, Denial belongs to me and I created myself. I made myself. In other words, we're talking about Parai. Parai, whose powerful unholiness, whose powerful energy of darkness was one that caused Moshe Rabbeinu to fear. To be afraid of entering into Him, and that unholiness of Paray comes from the highest level of revelation of godliness. But there is some validity to his attitude, then. Absolutely, but his the way he says it is completely okay, twisted. But he realizes this, this source is so high. It, 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 it's actually but, something mind blowing. <laughs> I'm just saying if you that, know that, that that he's tapping that into such evil can has such, a, such a Hitler. Then all all evil that we see is by definition higher than right. But in its presentation, after it came, because of that huge chasm that exists, the shavira and the 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 the, the tsimtsum and the. Mesach and the hefsek, because of the used chasm that exists between holiness and it, in its presentation it's purely evil. That means when he says, the Nile is mine and I created myself, he's saying something which is the ultimate darkness. It's the ultimate darkness, it's the ultimate evil, and that's why we, in our world, when we're experiencing Hitler, Yemach etc., etc., we're experiencing the worst, most painful, most disgusting expression of evil. Because in what it's saying, it's evil. But what is the evil? What is this evil? This evil is merely pretending that this power which is deep, deep, deep inside of it, is its own. Yeah. As an in, in example that I give all the time, like a magician pulling a rabbit out of his hat. <laughs> that as long as the rabbit is saying that it's pulled itself, it just appeared inside of this hat, it wasn't there before, and so on and so forth. The rabbit is just representing pure falsehood because it's all the magician the magician had it the magician knew it but the magician wants it to appear like it's coming from nowhere and that appearance it's coming from the magician himself in fact, the greater the magician the more he's able to make it feel and seem like He's doing things coming from absolutely nowhere and just making things appear and disappear and change and transform, etc. Because of his energy. And that's what the Eibishter does when the Eibishter is creating evil. When the Eibishter is creating evil, it's coming from a much deeper part of him himself. But in as much as the evil lifts itself up and says, <laughs> I exist, and my existence is a true existence of its own. It's representing the falsehood, the, the, the nonsense, the untruth. And when we experience it, we're experiencing complete darkness and often very painful darkness. But in its source of sources, it's coming from Hashem himself. And that's the Ainad Movade. Hashem is only good, but the evil's coming from Hashem, because the evil's concealing the Hashem, and the evil itself is a lie. The evil itself is fake. The evil itself is merely a sleight of hand. So
2: Hashem wants the evil to change.
0: Hashem wants that the evil should dissipate eventually. Yes. That's what's going to happen when Mashiach comes. Hashem is going to slaughter the Eitzer HaRa, the right. evil inclination, etc. There's not going to be an evil inclination anymore. Hashem wants that the evil itself should be dissipated, and there should be only energy right. and forces of God, of course.
1: Right. This is <coughs> too, This is what we were referencing in Agares Tzuvah when we say Tzuvah Tata, is when we're revealing the kedusha from within Klipos Noya, revealing the kedusha that is actually hidden. That the,
0: the Aveira itself came from a positive source. That's true. Okay. Uh,
2: yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. The first one. Um. I I note well for what you said, Paro. I'd like to. Greatest potential of the world, but I have the question of why, if uh, why Hashem has uh, like in Jewish, you know Jewish love history, has put like all the people with the greatest potential in the most difficult situation to make that potential grow, because for example. Uh, we so the that, the uh, idea, uh, Asaf, for example, in the first place, had a greater potential than the Yaakov has. Uh, of, it seems that it had the greatest potential in the world. The, the
0: the idea is exactly in this message that we're saying, that there are certain things that to come down from their source to their presentation below, they can't come down directly so if you see something which is very dark and very negative then you know that ultimately it's coming from a place which is much higher and much greater the more dark the more positive the place that it's coming from it has to be that way because then, the reason why it's coming down in such a dark way is because it had to have a much greater chasm, a much greater separation from its original source. And then, because its source was so high, and it needed that much greater of a interruption in order for it to be able to come down. And then how
2: does it work with, with the grape, with the- a great tzaddikim of history, for example, for for Avram, he also wrote in the best place to do with the Sarah and he even those two against So worst.
0: first of all, we have certain tzaddikim in history, and in Avram, we have an element of that in and of itself, where there is indeed that negative energy which starts off. They were wild children growing up and things like that. And then they turn over, they transform. So they're taking, instead of growing up like Esau, taking that negative energy, as you put it, and um, allowing it to follow its course of negativity, they're taking that energy and they're transforming it to a powerful force of holiness. So in the tzaddikim themselves you find such a thing. But secondly, and perhaps more importantly, the, the only way that we're going to be able to recognize the truth of the world is through something which is not separated, helping us tap into it. In other words, the world is created, let's use toihu and tikkun, Right? Tayu is this powerful level of godliness that is so powerful that it just shatters all its vessels, right? And Tikkun is calm, cool, and collected, (laughs) right? Tikkun is structured, everything's in its right place, and so on and so forth. It's... Toyu is passionate and excited. Tikkun is cold and just calculated, <clears throat> right? But without tikkun, tayyu is just going to be a mess. It's only because of tikkun that you're able to put the pieces of tayyu back together. Without those sadikim without those holy people, without the revelation of godliness inside of the structure, we're not going to be able to tap into the powerful energy the way that it falls below and put its pieces back together so that it should be able to reach its source. Do you understand? We'll leave it. Let's, let's read it inside. We'll come back to it. Umizagufa. <laughs> gufa. And from this itself, Shanaf This this brings out exactly the point that we just said inside of the Mimra Mizakufa from this itself, Shanaf kol that they fell so far below Muchach, that itself makes it obvious. That itself is a proof. Sheshursham Hibekina that its source is a very, very high level. And over here we have a rule which we're taught in Khsidis based on earlier sources, the that anything that's higher goes down lower. The higher something is, the lower it falls. If you have a wall, mm. and it falls. The stones which are farthest from the wall are the stones that sat on the top of the wall. The higher something is, the lower it falls. The impact of its falling brings it to an even lower place. And therefore, Through this, that we refine those things, that fell more below, that fell farther below. Like, for example, if we're able to refine Parei, to refine Parei, but how are we going to refine pare David? Like I told you before, we could only refine Parei through the tzaddikim, through the godliness, through the clarity, through the light, but when we use that clarity to be able to put those pieces together, Shahu Davka al Yidei, that's specifically through. Without Meshrabeinu, <speaking in Hebrew> can't we find Pare? Now, is Pare in his source greater than abenu in his source? That's an endless conversation. <laughs> Truthfully, that's an endless conversation. But in in any case, and the and the more practical level, the answer is yes because in his source is coming from a level that you're able to trace back holiness to holiness to holiness to godliness and power in his source is coming from somewhere which is boom you just reach a brick wall and i'm here and i'm a self-made man through this that Hashem gave Meishe Rabbeinu a koyach miyuched, a special power to refine paroi, and that's in the words boi el paroi. Hashem says, come, not leich el paroi, go. Boi, come to paroi. Hold my hand, and I will help you enter into paroi, and completely transform him. Through this then you're able to bring Pari back up to his source, which is this par the level of all the light of all this powerful energy, of light of godliness that is Pari at its, at his source. Shahu Gavaya which is much much higher. and furthermore since every descent is for the purpose of an ascent, therefore, it's being lifted up after the refinement, is much, much higher, than the way they were in their source before they descended and before they fell. So the ability to be able to to be able to refine it, first of all brings you back to its source in holiness. But not only does it bring you back to its source in holiness the purpose of its falling is not just to go back to where it started but to climb even higher. (inaudible) Yevida Tzarech Aliyah A descent is for the purpose of an ascent. So if you're going to be able to lift it up, then you're not just lifting it up to where it started, but you're lifting it up even higher. And the purpose of this mimer is to demonstrate that in Chanukah, that the apparently negative things that we're struggling with in Chanukah, the darkness, the marketplace, the tarmudoi, which are apparently negative things, in fact, we're going to turn them around First of all, recognize their source in holiness, and then we're going to go even higher through the Hanukkah there, and we're going to lift them higher than they were before. And that's what the Mimer is going to demonstrate step by step. I want to just tell you two stories which are related to this idea. One is from this week's Parsha, one is from next week's Parsha. The first story from this week's Parsha is about the Altar Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe often would um, uh, would fall into a a deep level of contemplation where he would be so immersed, so engulfed in an idea that he was thinking about that he completely forgot, so to speak, about his surroundings. He didn't recognize anything around him. We find this by the other Rebbeim also, but not as public perhaps um uh, and not as pronounced he would completely forget about everything that he was everything around him his surroundings and he would sometimes roll around on the floor and uh, repeat certain things over and over again um uh, during his davening on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, he did that. In fact, that was one of the sources of complaint that um, uh, were lodged against him when in the um, false reports that were given to the government that caused him to be arrested was because of the pach, pach, that he would repeat over and over again when he would say, your fear, your awe, and he would be so overwhelmed by this idea of awe ah, that he would just roll around on the floor repeating the word pach, pach, again and again. Now one time the Alter Rebbe was reading from the Torah, the Alter Rebbe was sometimes the Balkhaya, and he was reading from the verse in this week's shows from the Chumash a few days ago, where it says, lahem, that Yaakov Avinu said to the shepherds, Ben Nachar, do you know Lavan, the son of Nachar? Vayomer, and they said, Yodanu, we know him. A seemingly rather innocuous verse, right? Nothing special about this pasuk. But when Al Alter Rebbe started reading this pasuk, meslavan, he, he 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 was standing by the teira, but he completely um. Uh, I don't want to use anything that will imply something negative, but he 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 ended up on the floor, rolling around on the floor for about half an hour, with a tremendous dveikos of cleaving tashem and so uh, holiness, and he was um, uh, saying <clears throat> over and over again, "Hayidatim esloven, Hayidatim esloven, Do you know loven? Do you know loven?" And finally, after all of this time, he got up, stood by the Torah, and started to sing again, and they said, we know, we know. The Chassidim didn't understand what was that all about. And they went and they looked until they found, they finally found the Medrash. But it says in this Medrash, it says, do you know the one who who in the future is going to whiten, to cleanse the sins of the Yidin. Yisrael like snow. And the Alter Rebbe, when he said HaYidat maslavan, he was thinking about this great level of godliness that's going to completely cleanse the the sins of the Yidin. And if that's what al Eibl was thinking about, you could imagine how the next statement, and they said, "We know," is an even more powerful statement. Do you know Lavan? Do you know Eibsheter? Do you know the Eibsheter that loves you so much, that cares about you so much, that's going to completely erase everything? And they said, "We know." We're talking about Lavan Ha'arami, Lavan the trickster, that it's that it is a story about. The Alshech, the Alshech HaKadosh, as he's known. The Alshech one time gave a speech on Shabbos. And in his speech on Shabbos, he said, I don't remember how many, it's based on a pasuk, I think, a gematria, I don't remember. But he said hundreds of ways in which love tricked Yaakov. And there was this one old man who was sitting in the front row, smiling and nodding the whole time. And it turned out that that old man was none other than a Lavan himself who came to listen to the speech. And he was getting Hannah, so to speak, pleasure from the Alshech identifying every single trick that he tricked Yaakov Avinu. So Lavan Harami, the trickster, who his very essence was a trickster. But in his source, he's Misha Asad the Labin, He's the one who is going to whiten the sins of all yidin like snow. So that's the one story. The second story we'll hold off on, I guess. <laughs> but that's exactly the point that we're learning over here in the ma'amar. Okay. The second story is for from, from next week's parsha, so we could have it next week. Um.